Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Fantastic, fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, before we kind of dive in today, let me just say, um, next weekend is going to be an incredible weekend. We're starting a brand new series called Immeasurably More, and it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. But on top of that, it is our church's seven-year anniversary, and so that's always a... It's always a great day. If you haven't been here for one of our anniversary services, let me just tell you, it's like a Sunday you don't want to miss because it's, number one, it's free t-shirt Sunday. Anybody like some free t-shirts? Yeah, like uh, people love free t-shirts. So you get a free t-shirt and it's not like one of those cardboard t-shirts, you know, that feel bad. It's like the soft, nice kind of t-shirts. And so encourage you to come back for that as well as we're going to have some updates about what's happening with the land that we purchased in Parkland. And more than that, it's just going to be an incredible series. It's based off of a script. Sure, there's been a promise that uh, Shayla and I have stood on for many, many years, and I am super pumped about preaching over the next couple weeks on, on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. But today, we're finishing up our series run, and uh, I, I've enjoyed this series. This series has all been on the premise of this idea that throughout Scripture, God equates the life that we're living to running a race, and, and we've been talking about how do we run in such a way that we win that race? Like, what are the things that we're going to have to do? What are some of the, the, the training patterns that we're going to have? What are some of the obstacles we're going to come up against? And I was trying to figure out, like, what is the best way to end this series? Because there's probably 20 different venues we could go towards or ideas we could, we could kind of veer off to to complete this series. But I want to go back to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, because there is something in there that I think is critical that if we don't talk about, I think is going to hinder a lot of us from winning our race. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which is a scripture that this whole series has been based off, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight or strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tangles us up or trips us up, as as this version says. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And, and so we, we've talked about the, the, the things that trip us and the weights that are holding us down. But I started thinking about the race that God has set before us. Like, that's a great thought. Like, man, I need to run the race that God has set before me. But like, what the heck is that race? Because this, for a lot of us, it's like, man, I, I want to run and I want to pursue God. But like, in order to do that, I actually need to know where the finish line is. Anybody else get what I'm saying? Like, if you don't know the end point, it's hard to run there. If I want to go to Orlando and I'm running and I see signs for Key West, y'all are going to be like, you're running the wrong direction, right? Like, you can get there. It's just going to take you a lot longer because you've got to go all the way around the world. A lot of us, we like the long way. We like taking the long way. But God has set a race before us. And so how do we know where it is that we're supposed to run? And so today what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about this word vision. Everybody say vision. Okay, that wasn't everybody. Everybody say vision. Vision. That's better. I like that. So we're going to talk about vision. And let me define vision for you. Vision is simply a destination. 
When I'm referring to vision right here, I'm referring to a destination. I believe that God has a destination for every single one of us. And it's a multifaceted destination for us. I believe that God has, has a vision for every single one of us when it comes to our relational world. He has a vision for what that looks like. God has got a vision for what our career path looks like in our life. God has got a vision for our finances. God has got a vision for our marriage. God has got a vision for our parenting. Every aspect of life, I really believe that God has a vision. Somewhere out there, there is an image and there is a picture of what could be and what should be for your life. And, and, and I believe that the vision, what it does is it drives this deep, intense desire for what could be and is fueled by what should be in your life. And God wants every single one of us to discover that. And what I want us to start thinking about today is, is like, man, God, what is that thing? What, are, what, what is that picture that you've called me to in my marriage? God, what is the picture that you've called me to in my parenting? God, what is the picture that you have called me to in my career? And, and we, as we start asking God that question, as we start asking ourselves and looking in his work, we'll start to get some clarity. We'll start to get some, some, some a good visual of what that should look like in our life. And I think that as we start to see what God is saying for us, as we start to see that picture, as it starts to come into the realities of our picture, all of a sudden the, the options that are out there, the, the opportunities that are before us are going to get narrower and narrower, and it's going to make our decisions a whole lot easier. In fact, I heard Andy Stanley like 15 years ago say it like this, the clearer the vision you have, the fewer the options, the easier your decision. Now, for some of you, you need to write that down, not just in your notes. Like You need to write that in your hand and remember it. Because the clearer the vision you have for your life, the fewer the options that are going to be presented before you that are viable options, the easier the choice is going to be for you to make. In fact, I kind of equate it to doing a puzzle. Anybody, anybody ever done a puzzle before? If you've done a puzzle, raise your hand. Man, there's some people that haven't ever done a puzzle. Man, you got robbed in your childhood. Like... Like, what's, what's the most important aspect of, of doing a puzzle? Man, we get a lot of different answers. Now I understand why your lives are so messed up. You're so confused. I, like, I heard borders. I heard corners. You know what's the most I mean, borders and corners are good, but they don't mean jack squat if you don't know what you're building. It's all about the picture. Because what happens in life is we have life that is full of pieces. Come on now. Like we got pieces coming at us every single day. And you can have a piece come your way and you can be like, oh, that's awesome. I love, I love that color brown. Like brown is my favorite. Like I'm going to put that in my life. But if you don't have a picture for your life, you don't know where to put it in your life, do you? Like these, these aren't very meaningful without this. But yet so many of us are going and adding pieces to our puzzle that aren't even part of our picture because we've never sought to figure out what the picture is. I better put that back in or we're going to have a piece missing of our life. Uh, <laughs> but when you have this, life makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? it? makes everything clear. Why? Because the clearer the vision, the fewer the options, 
the easier it is for me to figure out where this piece goes in the puzzle of my life or if it even goes in my life. And what happens for so many of us is, 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 is that we just charge out into life without any clear picture and we wonder why we get ourselves in so much trouble. We wonder why life is not happening the way that we thought it would. Why it isn't turning out that way. In fact, Proverbs 9, or 29, 18 says this, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. It means they just go do whatever they want. Or another version says, without a vision, the people perish, or you get jacked up. That's why God knows that it's so important for us to get a clear vision, because the clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier the decision it is. So maybe you're here today and you're a single adult. Any single adults out there, raise your hands. Raise them up real high. Ray high. Those are your options right there. Look around, look around. You guys didn't want to keep your hands up. I guess you want to stay single. And you're looking down the road and you're like, man, I don't want to stay single forever. You want to be married someday, right? Single people, you want to be married someday or you want to stay single? Okay, it doesn't matter. What it, it doesn't matter to me. I'm married. I like it. Okay. Here's the problem, though. If I were to sit down and, and ask you, what does marriage look like to you? Most of you don't have a clue what marriage looks like to you. How do you want your marriage to look, feel, taste, smell? What does that look like for your life? And as you start asking yourself some of those questions, what happens is as you start to clarify that picture, some jokers that are rolling into your life, all of a sudden you'll start to realize they don't fit in that picture those options just got fewer because they're no longer an option, even though you thought they were, but you clarified the vision so that your decision is way easier. Like, kick that dude to the curb or that chick to the side. Or maybe it's your finances. You've decided as a couple, like, hey, man, we're going to do the whole Dave Ramsey thing. We're going to live debt-free. We're going to get our finances in order. And you start making decisions by that, but all of a sudden, the car breaks down. And so the car no longer works. You, you have a decision to make. You go to the dealership, and, man, there's a brand-new, shiny vehicle that you can get with payments of $4.99 a month. Or you can take that five grand that you've got saved up, and you can buy a used car and pay cash for it. And you start to go, what is the vision for my future, for my finances? Oh, yeah, we said we want to live debt-free. Well, that means the brand new shiny $4.99 is going to get kicked to the side because we got a clear vision of our future, which means we're not going into debt anymore. So our options just got fewer. Our decision gets easier. And I've learned this from my own life. My wife right now, she has got a vision for my future. Now, I notice I said a vision for my future. That is not my vision. And she, she knows that I love Instagram. Where are all my Instagram people? Where are the Instagram? If you're not on Instagram, you're missing out. And so, like, my wife has figured out that she can manipulate me. She's good at this. And so, over the last couple of weeks, um, she has got this desire that she wants a boxer puppy. Uh, I don't know what the deal is. And so, every day, this is what I get on my Instagram feed. Maybe. Here it is. So, every day, I get tagged in Instagram pictures, and I'll get comments like, see, they're not hyper, they just sleep. Uh, oh, you know you want one, TJ. TJ, how can you resist this face? Come on. Uh, mention, can we get one? And on and on, like all, every day, multiple tags. She's like following boxers of Instagram. I don't know what it is. And, and so like I get these pictures sent to me. She'll email me different pictures that look like this. Maybe. There they are. Like, like just... 
Listen, that's her vision. That ain't my vision. Clearer the vision, the fewer the options, the easier decisions. So I'm like, Shayla, that could be your vision, but that ain't my vision, so heck no. We got to get a vision for our lives. And, and we can't be somebody else's vision. We have to have a vision for ourselves. And the reality is, is that every single one of us has some general ideas of what our life looks like, what we want our life to look like. If I were to ask you, what do you want your marriage to look like in five years? You, you're going to have a general idea. I mean, words are going to come out of your mouth about you, what you want it to look like. But just, just because it's general doesn't mean that it's, it's good. If I were to ask you, what do you want your, your kids to look like five years from now? You're, you're gonna have some thoughts there. But as long as those thoughts are general, as long as those ideas are general, listen, the problem is, is that as long as our view of our vision is general, it's never gonna be helpful. And for a lot of us, what we have is we have a generic vision in life, and we wonder why we're getting a generic life and why we're living just an average life. And as long as it's general, it's going to be not easy for us to make decisions because it's the clearer the vision. It's not just, oh, I want a house. No, I want a Thomas Kincaid house with, with like, palm leaves that are old on it. Like, like it needs to be clear because it's the clearer the vision. The fewer the options, the easier the decision. And if we can start to grab hold of this and we can start to realize that, man, we have got to seek after God and we've got to go after God and we've got to include him in this process of helping us decipher this because he's the one who set the race before us. It's his race that he set before us. It's his idea. It's his vision. And if we're not going after him, how are we ever going to know his vision? But here's the deal. As we do that, something powerful will happen in your life. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. Because I believe that there is a principle that Nehemiah, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6. If you don't, it'll be in the notes. But uh, let me just kind of give you some background as you turn there. It's a hard book to find. Uh, it's in the Old Testament. But Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, who was in charge of the Persian Empire. This is about 440 B.C. B.C., right, Steve? Yes, I got it right this time. I can't ever remember those A, D, B, C, which one goes where. Uh, and, and so he was the king of, of Persia, uh, 440 B.C. And basically, a uh, 100 years earlier, uh, Babylon had taken and decimated Jerusalem, taken them. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys have all heard that story. Captured them, brought them back to Babylon. Eventually, Persia overtakes Babylon and is ruling the world. And, and so all these Hebrews are within Persia. And Nehemiah happens to be the cupbearer to this king. And so he's been the cupbearer, which means that he has a really, really close relationship with this king. He's not only a wine taster, but he is a confidant of this ruler that is probably the most powerful man on the face of earth at this time. And Nehemiah hears about the state of Jerusalem. He hears that the walls in Jerusalem have been decimated, that the remnant of people that are left are in ruins, that they're being manipulated by the surrounding nations, that they're being exploited, and his heart starts to break. 
which, which is a key element, because I believe that a vision always comes from a burden that's in your life. He, all of a sudden, he starts to get a burden for his people that he has never even experienced or seen before, but there is a burden that's there, and all of a sudden, a vision is birthed out of that burden, and I want to tell you something. Your vision will be birthed out of a burden in your life. If you have a burden to, to raise your kids in this manner, that's where that vision is going to be birthed out of. If you have a burden for having a healthy marriage, and what does that look like? That's where that vision for your marriage is going to be birthed out of. All of that stuff is going to be birthed out of a burden that's there. And so he gets his burden. And he does the thing that we should all do when we start to get a burden. He goes and he seeks God for like eight years. Eight years. Some of y'all are like, God, it hasn't answered my prayer. It's been five minutes. <laughs> Give him some time. So eight years he seeks God and finally he walks into the king one day and he makes a huge request. Remember, he is a slave. Slaves don't make requests of kings. He says, listen, king, man, my, my land is in ruins and my heart is broken for it and I want to do something about it. And the king goes, not only are you going to do something about it, but I'm going to equip you and I'm going to fund you. He sends Nehemiah to be the, the uh, governor of this area. He gives him all the tools, all the resources, all the manpower to go back to Jerusalem to build these walls. And, and God, over the next uh, three months, does an incredible, incredible work of, of Nehemiah rallying these people and, and giving vision to a people who have been visionless and giving hope to a people that have been hopeless to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, which would establish them again as a centerpiece within this Persian empire. And, 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 and he goes and he does this. And as he's doing that, in fact, I would encourage you, go and read the story of Nehemiah. It's an incredible story of vision. It's an incredible story of leadership. And, and, and if you're a leader and you're leading people and you need to know how to cast vision, go learn from Nehemiah. He will blow your mind with principles that you can apply to your life. And so he is building the wall. He's having huge success. The neighboring nations are getting upset because they're seeing their economy being decimated as these walls are coming up. They're seeing their, their exploits being taken away. They're seeing their opportunity diminished before them. And so they realize that if they don't do something drastic here, something is going to give. And so they've attacked and they can't win. And the walls are almost finished. And what happens in Nehemiah chapter 6 is this. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Samballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it. So basically, these three guys are some of the leaders of the surrounding nations. They're getting scared out of their britches because they realize that it's about over with and, and they don't know what to do. And so this is what they do. And it says, Although they had not set the doors and the gates, Samballat and Geshem sent to me saying, Come, let us meet together at the H word in the plain of Ono. Um, if you know how to say it, that's awesome. I don't, okay? Uh, and so basically they're like, we can't get this guy. We can't defeat these people. So what we need to do is we realize that the visionary, this guy that has the vision for this, if we can lure him away, if we can get him distracted, if we can get him away from the picture of what God has called him to, then we can distract them from finishing. The, like they, the rest of the people won't finish what he is driving them to finish. And so they're like, hey, why don't you come out 20 miles? Ono was about 20 miles away. Why don't you come out? It's like, they're like, hey, why don't you come down to Doral? We're going to meet at a Starbucks uh, and, and we're going to hang out and we're going to have some coffee and we're going to talk. They're trying to manipulate him. And this is, this is Nehemiah. But they intended to do me harm. 
And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. He says, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. And here's the picture. Nehemiah is up on the wall, and literally they would be up on the wall working with one hand and a sword in the other, and Nehemiah is trying to finish up this wall, and, and a messenger comes and shakes his ladders like, hey, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, hey, Sambalat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab, they, they want to meet together. Like, what do you, what do you say? Are you, are you down for that? Is it, is it cool that we grab some, some coffee with them? You know, they just, they want to kind of make amends here, and, and, and Nehemiah looks at them and says, man, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. They sent this to him four other times. So five times they sent this to him. And five times he answers, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Now the context of this story is so, so powerful because Nehemiah knew exactly what God had called him to do. He had a very, very clear picture of what God had called him to do. God had called him to rebuild the wall. And anything that contributed to rebuilding the wall was exactly what he was going to do. Anything that took him away from the wall, it was like, uh-uh, we're not doing that. We're not having any of that. And so every time they would come to him and try to take him away from the picture that God had given to him, he responded with, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And some of us, we need to realize that as, as circumstances come our way, as opportunities come our way, and there's going to be circumstances, and there's going to be opportunities. But God has given us a vision in life, and you as a parent, you've got a vision for how you want to raise your kids, and the values you want to give to them, and distractions are going to come along, and you need to walk into your kid's room at night while they're asleep and look at them and go, man, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and push away those distractions and say, this is what God has called me to. When you have a vision for your marriage and all of a sudden your, your marriage, things are trying to pull you apart based on maybe there's some opportunities at work or some relationships that have come into your life, you need to grab your spouse by the hand and look at them and go, man, I am doing a great work. I'm not coming down. Listen, single people, you're out there and you start getting a vision for what your future looks like and what that future spouse looks like and all of a sudden that joker that you dumped two months ago keeps ringing you up on the phone. You need to look at that phone as, as caller ID comes up and go, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and hang up on that joker. Why? Because the clearer the vision the fewer the options, the easier the decision is in your life. And if God has called you to a great work, you need to be all about that work. It's going to be, your entire life is going to be fueled by that thing. And as we start to get a glimpse of what could be and what should be for our life, man, it'll fuel every single decision that we make. So here's the practical, because right now this is great theory. How does that look for us? Real simple. Number one, and this is the Christianese answer, but it's true. Pray. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen, if God's got plans, don't you think you should know them? I mean, that's the reality. Like, God's got a plan, but most of us won't spend the time 
to figure out what they are. He says, man, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So God's got plans. They're to, to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. Like, I want to know what that is. So how do I know that? He goes, you'll call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and when you find me, You'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So the way that I discover God's plan for my life is seeking him with all of my heart. But TJ, that sounds so hard. Yep. Like it's going to require something of you. It's going to require you to go, God, I want to know what you said. And here's the deal. Most of us, we're making decisions in life, and we're just making, like, we, I, I'm sorry if this is you, but I get the dumbest emails all the time. Like, Pastor TJ, I'm, I'm struggling. Um, should, like, do you think it's God's plan for my life that I should move in with my boyfriend? No. He already spoke right here. Like, if you would just pick up this book, you'd find out that most of your questions have already been answered. Like, most of the plan for your life has already been written. Like, Pastor DJ, should, should I buy this, this new Porsche even though I can't afford it? Yeah, go for it. Like, that's definitely God's plan for your life. No, like, he's already answered that question, but yet we, because we're lazy. Come on now, now we're, now we're talking church right now. Because we're lazy, right? Because we're lazy, we won't, we won't take the 10 minutes that it takes to get into God's word or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour or two hours. And we wonder why we're not having dreams and visions from God. He says, man, but listen, I, I've given you the plan. All you got to do is seek. All, all you got to do is spend some time. And what you'll find is that God has been speaking. You just haven't known his voice. You've been so busy listening to Dr. Phil's voice, Oprah's voice, your girlfriend's voice, and she is annoying. <laughs> that you've missed out on the very voice that can bring you life. Here's the deal. When God starts to speak, number two, you need to start writing it down. This is the part that most of us miss. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he may, what's that word? What, what word was that? Huh? Huh? What? 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 Oh, I don't know, I just wanted to do that for a while. <laughs> So he may run. Isn't that what this series has been all about? It's been about us running after God. So if the way that we run is by writing it down, why do we write it down? Because we get busy. When we get busy, we get, we get all kinds of mixed signals going on. And it's easy for us to forget what God said. It, I, I, I hear this all the time, and, and I'm just picking on people today. I'm sorry. I apologize ahead of time. But like somebody will tell me, like, God told me this. Two weeks later, God has told them the exact opposite thing that week. God doesn't change. That's why you write it down. And when life gets confusing, you need to write it down and go, God, what did you say? You need to cipher what that is. 
He also says, he continues on, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So what he's saying is like, you need to write it down because it's not going to happen right away. Listen, God gave Shayla and I a vision to plant a church when we were 21 years old. We didn't plant a church until we were 30. It took a long time for that vision to come to fruition. It took a long time for us to decipher exactly what that was and what that looked like. And so we kept writing down, God, this is what you're saying. This is, this is a little bit more clear, a little bit more clear, a little bit more clear, a little bit more clear. Over that time of nine years, we got some clarity that we were going to be a church and we want to make it hard for people to go to hell while making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. That didn't happen at 21. That happened at 30. But we continuously went back and we made decisions based on the vision that God was giving us. Number three, you got to tell somebody. We say it all the time at our church, you're not meant to do life alone. And one of the greatest tools that God has given you is, is godly and wise people. Don't go tell an idiot. Go tell somebody that's further along in the faith than you are. Talk to them about it. They'll bring some clarity to you. They'll help you decipher whether that's bad pizza or that's really truth. Because how many of y'all know a bad day can give you some bad vision? Some bad circumstances can, can jack you up. But they're also there to encourage you and to build you up, cheer you on in the successful aspects of life. As you get those people around you, number four, you just got to run after it. Because a vision without action is just a dream. And God's given a lot of people dreams that were supposed to be visions. They just have never done anything with it. Listen, the Bible tells us that those things take time. Don't expect it overnight, but you need to be taking steps daily. You need to be walking daily closer and closer to that vision. And the clearer that vision gets, the fewer the options are going to be in the decepts you're making. And the easier it's going to be for you to run the race that God has set before you today. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you today. And I thank you that you have set a race before each and every one of us in this place. God, you did not mean for any of us to live life aimlessly. But you, God, intentioned for all of us to live on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And today, a lot of us have chosen just to run after whatever is convenient or whatever we think is good rather than seeking you and discovering the purpose and the plan that you have for us because you do have a plan. You do have a purpose. God, I pray that we would be diligent enough to run after you with everything that we have. God, that we would sacrifice, that we would pray, that we would seek to discover who you are.